I'm Charlie Taylor. I'm Ben Carter, and I had a great first date yesterday. I am director of the Fifth of Element, <laughs> and horribly single, where I've highlighted the Fifth of Hip Hop, which is knowledge. I've been there, done that. You got guns, I got straps. A million podcasters on the planet talk all that bullshit because they're so Shitting on these podcasts. (laughs) Nah, that's too. That's way too much, man. Shitting on the world. Too much energy. Too much. (laughs) Who did shitting on the world? Who was that? (laughs) Oh, gosh. Hi, Ben. Well, clearly your week's been decent. What have we been listening to this week? Good week, man. Good week. Uh,. This week I got into three projects. Well, I got into a lot of projects, but I'm going to talk about three. Um, ben Bill and Elijah Who cartoons. Now, sometimes I was I was thinking this the other day when I was listening to it. I was like, sometimes I hear music and I think to myself, if I had the technical understanding, then I could have done that. I could have made music like that. Then I hear music and I know that in a thousand years, I couldn't have done that. And Ben Bill and Elijah Who come through like they're fully realized on cartoons. You have Elijah who who has 1.7 million Spotify listeners, eight albums under his belt, and Ben Bill is just growing so quickly into his artistry. Like I reviewed Birdland in 2020 on this podcast, and I forget how I got Ben Bill's album Birdland, to, how it got to me, I don't remember, because Ben Bill and I had never spoken prior. And then after that, listening to that album and, and understanding his like his musical palette, I actually interviewed him because I was so fascinated by his influences and just the sound that he curated and the aesthetic he had. Um, and that interview hasn't come out yet, and it probably it, it hopefully will at some point. But on this record, man, he just exudes effortlessness on a microphone. He slips so comfortably into cadences that they feel well-worn, but they never existed until he put his voice down on top of this excellent production. I think the levels he's ascending right now place him right next to Reason and Mick Jenkins uh, on the song Coraline, which is a massive get to get those two artists on that. He feels entirely in his element on that record. Uh, Elijah Hu is lacing him with jazz rap boom-bap beats that... He's got these understated horns, underwater synths. Bro, the drums are as luxurious as a Tom Ford fragrance. They're classy, but extravagant. And I just, I fucking love that. I love that even when I listen to music like this, those kind of analogies come to my mind. Just like they flood in because I'm like, man, this is just, is beautiful. And I think Ben Bill is pushing his own boundaries right now. He really is. You know, the boundaries of what he can and can't say of who he can and can't sound like and how far he can take his music independently because this is entirely independent. And it's a beautiful record, man. It really is beautiful. I would fully recommend. I don't. I listen to a lot of music. I do listen to a lot of music every week and I don't talk about like 90% of it. I come in here and tell you about the stuff that I think you should go listen to. I really think you should go listen to this, man. It's a great project. Styles P and Havoc Wreckage Manor. 
already knew I was going to be talking about this before I listened to it because it's fucking amazing. It's everything you want and more from Havoc and Styles P. Havoc is just lacing Styles P up with like 90s level production. It's not, you know, the infamous level, but it's good. And the thing I love about Styles P is he's aging gracefully and his honesty and openness is on every song. He's really bringing us tales from his past uh, musings from his present and his hopes for the future, and it's brilliant. He spits venom on here when he needs to. I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't get into a booth with Styles P and think that you were going to outwrap him. That's not going to happen. We get introspection. He casts aside criticism. He talks about the difficulties of moving through the different stages of the life he's lived. Havoc pops up occasionally with some bars, which I wish it was more because I was listening to Mob Deep this week and just reminded how adept he is lyrically. Uh, it's, It's just that Prodigy was a lyrical legend. And this is a great project. I didn't even know it was coming out. And when I saw it pop up on my radar, I was like, fuck yes and yeah man it's it's everything you want uh and tiara rack rap uh with a question mark at the end now it's a three track ep from tiara whack it's nice but i won't lie about that but i wish i had more man i wish it was more it's good to hear from her we just need to hear from her a lot more i i say we need to i'm i don't want to be like those really annoying fans like you need to drop music all the time you need to drop music <laughs> I'm not like that, but you I... You are a conveyor belt of art. Provide me. Uh, yeah, this not, you're not a content creator if you're an artist, okay? I'm not, like, demanding content <laughs> from you every 15 minutes. I need to ban that term, bro. Yeah, bro. I, so who would I see? So it, I think it was Kembe tweet, or posted about it the other day. It's like, anytime you call an artist or a musician a content creator, it, it breaks my heart a little bit. And I'm like, it breaks my heart a lot, man. Um, but, man, look, we got Whack World in 2018 allegedly that's an album but it's 15 minutes now we get three tracks in 2021 i'm not sure where she's at but i would love to hear her consistently for 20 to 40 minutes because i know she can spit and this ep is further proof of that the first track is one of those like school lunchroom beats like just banging on the tables and she skates on it million sounds like a just blaze production it's got this upbeat fanfare energy i'm hearing a lot of artists dipping back into this bag lately i really like it tiara whack and rap we know she's a complete artist and maybe it takes a while to hear from her because she waits for inspiration to strike and either way man it's a great ep as expected but three songs is tough Three songs is tough because you can't really put it on repeat because once you get back to the first song, you only just finished listening to the first song. I feel like four, five, six songs is a bit of a better. Three songs is a maxi single, man. Like when I was young, they had maxi singles. That's a max. That might not even be a maxi Teach single. These that Teach might. These have, bro, for three songs, you might get like. I don't know, man. Maybe a maxi. Well, you know single. about maxi singles. Yeah, you guys don't know anything about maxi singles <laughs> coming in the jewel case back in the day. Jeez. Yeah, that's me, Charlie. What about yourself this week? Uh, yes, yeah, so I got into. I, I've I've done a bit of backtracking slash, uh, you know, just new shit, uh, new shit. Um, I went for that Joyce Rice, spelled the W R I C, overgrown. Um, so shout out to Mickey and Tyler who's have basically been hyping this album up for basically all year, and they. Um, and I saw, well, we may or may not talk about Spotify rap to the end of the show, um, but I saw Tyler's rapped and uh, he had like Joyce as his number one artist and I saw her uh, album cover art and I was like, that album cover's fire. 
He was like, that's Joyce Rice. Um, I'll, you know, you should peep her. I'm just like, fair enough. You have, you guys have mentioned her. And Mickey actually did write a good, really good piece on her album um, by, uh, with an interview with her as well uh, on Euphoria. So if you, wanna go, if you guys want to go peep that, peep that. It actually really helps uh, because I was listening to the album as he sent me that. <laughs> and literally as he sent me that, or, or just before he sent me that, uh, he, uh, the, there was like a, a West Side Gun feature here, uh, just like in an interlude, and I'm just like, why, 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 you know, as, as always, why, um, oh, you hate but, you know, again, I listen, but I listen, I, I read, I read his article, um, or read his interview, and, uh, you know, she explained it in terms of the context of the album, and it makes sense. I still don't like it, but it makes sense, and that's all that matters, I guess. Um, sub- objectively, that's what matters. Um, subjectively, it's a no. It's a hard skip, but anyway. Um, apart from that, it's a really good R&B album. Um, you know, some really... Just the entire flow of it is very interesting. Um, it's very concept-led. Um, you know, just about growth and, uh, you know, addiction to uh, certain people. Um, and the other way around and stuff like that. You know, just general R&B stuff, relationship stuff, you know what I mean? That kind of thing. But it's very smart. It's very mature. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's just... Um, no, I feel like it's on, you know, similar level to, like, a, you know, Jasmine Sullivan's Hotels, you know what I mean? Something of that nature. Um, so, you know, I feel, I feel like it's on a good level. So, shout out to Joyce Rice on that one. Uh, Flo Hio, uh, Final Rage. Um, so, this is a quick EP... Um, came and went very quickly for me um it's, a, it's it's only i think about four tracks yeah four tracks 10 minutes not that long um i love whip uh, I, I love whiplash and roller coaster specifically apart from uh, you know the other two are fine uh, but those two go very well um, i just like her i like her flow man she 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 when there's a good beat going um you know, you, you just know uh, that she's going to flow on it, right? Um, I think my thing with Flahai at the moment is the beats at this time. Uh, I remember listening to her first one and I was like, I kind of... There's there's like a there's a it's like it's, her beats are like a mishmash of stuff, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, uh, this uh, second track, especially um, Whiplash, is uh, you know, it's kind of while I like it, it has this like drilly no like tinge to it but it's not full on and i don't know it kind of uh it kind of hits and misses for me um but she kind of just um eliminates all of that feeling i have towards just you know just the bars and you know how she just fucking wave rides on all of it so um i can't really complain too much but um once once uh, once if those beats start hitting properly and add that to uh the really good flow that she's got already it's over. It's raps, right? It's it's raps. I can I can fully um I can fully invest my put my investment uh in uh, my 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 ear my listening investment into Flahio uh, for sure. Uh, a room full of mirrors, money bags. Um, I, I can't be able to name all the names, but you know it's a lot of names. Um, but yeah, uh, I I'm I don't mind it. Mm. It's cool. It's um, right. I th- I feel yeah, it's it's cool. I I like the um overall nature of it um i can see that th- as a collective you know they're very um i feel like they're trying they're not trying to be anti-establishment in that kind of way but you know they're not trying to be what's hot you know what i mean they're not they're not trying to do that kind of thing they're they're 
outwardly just pushing back against the norm and that's cool right as a collective as an as a attitude i really rate that um yeah I, 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 so, you know just um i don't know i don't know man i feel like i, I like uh i like west Side, um i like uh mirrors um Arfom. Um, I I I, do, I like the tracks where they kind of just hop on, uh, with each other and kind of just like finish each other's not finish each other's bars so to speak, but like you know they 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 do a quick quick little like you know four bars and then next one comes in and it's like you know it's, it's kind of conveyor belting on that front. I like that attitude towards it. Um, I think West Side's probably my favorite track, even though that doesn't have that kind of element. Um, you know it's, it's thirty one minutes eight songs, so you know the songs are very you know long-ish I, f- I feel like they go, they go for about five minutes on average so you know they obviously try and fit everybody in um but i feel like i guess nobody really sticks out um and i guess i'm kind of that person that likes some like people that try and you know stick out um i don't want to say they blend together um, because, you know, they all have their own voices, you know, um, I know when Daylight's on there, you know, I know when Nick Grant's on there, I know when Lyric Michelle's on there, I know when, you know, y- you know, if you know, if you know who they are, if you know what the, if you're aware of who's on the roster, then you're good. Um, I feel like if you don't, if you haven't really heard anything from them before, um, and if you haven't even clocked who's actually on the team, so to speak, um, it's going to be a little bit hard for you to, I guess, connect in some way. Um, but even with that, I, 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 even though I know a few of the names and I'm aware of a few of them, um, I'm still a little bit just, you know, just, just like, mm, that's cool, you know. Um, I, I feel like uh, it with a collective such as this, you need like a lot of, um, I guess, investment in the people and. Uh, you know, so so it doesn't just like blend into one thing where it's like, but even though we're di- even though it's with different voices, it kind of it's kind of hard to separate. Um, so yeah, I don't know, I, I don't know. A lot of talk to just say it's fine. <laughs> to be honest, I'm kind of filibustering, but uh, anyway. Uh, lastly, I got I I fulfilled my one EDM album a year uh, quota that I've somehow given myself uh, over the past couple of years. I did that with. Uh, uh, Duke Dumont last year. Now I've done this with uh, Dimension, uh, with Organ. Um, I honestly listened to this because I saw my boy Rick flow uh, into. Well, uh, well, I think Dimension had a show recently or had a tour recently, and Rick flow was like on the back of one, just like uh, singing before like you know a big drop, and it sounded heat, right? So I was just like, oh shit, who's this guy? And I was like, Dimension. Let me look him up. I, was, I didn't see Rick flow on here, right? That's um, that's is what it is. Um, but apart from that. It is a really good as EDM albums go. I don't want to. I'm not the authority on that, right? I'm sure there are plenty of other EDM albums, uh, you know, as good or better that have dropped this year. Don't get get off me, okay? But as EDM albums go, and as what I've listened to over the years, you know, I used to be EDM guy, like um, now well, over ten years ago now. But you know, I used to be into that, and uh, you know, this brings me right back to that feeling. This brings me right back to why I enjoyed it so much at that time. Um, you know, the deep. Uh, the deep nature of it, in in like, and the the bold nature of it. The first two tracks, especially with uh, Shanine Hector and uh, Poppy Bascom, um, on Alive and Savior, they just hit so nice when they're just like going, they're going off like lyrically and uh, vocally, and then like you know you just get that rise and then the drop. Oh, you know that's, that's what that's what 
you know EDM people live for, and it's really great. Um, there are a couple of tracks out, uh, you know, sprinkled in that kind of switch it up a little bit. I forgot which track in particular it was, but somewhere in the middle where like it kind of uh, simmered down, it was just like a nice, uh, uh, you know, just just a slowed down kind of a affair. Uh, you know, nothing that you know gets your head banging, but it's just a nice beat to go to in the background. Uh, Liam Bailey on Lord's Prayer. Liam Bailey never misses on like uh, ED- any EDM feature. I mean, Jesus Christ, that guy goes off uh, as a guy that's. Uh, you know, uh, very aware of his uh, contributions to Chase and Status songs. Uh, um, oh, he has an album uh, with with other people, but I might give that a spin actually. Shout out to shout out to Liam Bailey, man, one time because he's been he's been on the grind. Uh, but anyway, that's been me. Uh, with that said, we shall hop in to our topic of this episode, and we are talking about one event, one moment in hip hop history, and that was when Dr. Dre dropped that compilation up. <laughs> <laughs> so so I feel like this deserves um you know um it's been what nearly well shit it's nearly been 30 years since uh, Dr. Dre presents the aftermath uh, the aftermath right so I feel like this is a good time you know to really look back at it and uh you know hopefully I I don't know uh what the median age of the or the average age of uh, DITD is but I'm going to go ahead and uh, take a crack and, you know, pop a shot that uh, most of you, like me, and I th- I don't think Ben's is to it before this week either, or, well, until we uh, saw it down either, but feel free to correct me, Ben, no. um, that we've listened to it before, um, until we decided to actually just, you know, give this a spin. Um, but for me anyway, I'll just speak for me, um, I kind of wanted to do this, um, you know, for in, in the case of a lot of retrospectives that we do, um, from a place of learning and also just uh, the fact that there are a lot of, um, you know, we, we, when we, when we look at stuff from, you know, especially from the nineties now, since, you know, we're edging into, it's been 30 years since this, um, as the nineties and as the, as the 2020s go on, um, you know, there's a lot of opinions on certain things of, you know, very, they've been very solidified in the hip hop consciousness and uh, you know sometimes it's not it, personally it doesn't happen that way you know there's, pro- there's plenty of times when we've uh, you know spun something or spun an artist artist and we've completely changed our attitude our, our attitude towards um uh, towards what uh you know the status quo uh, they have as pertains to their image or you know their music or their artistry or whatever right our, our opinions change once we actively wait wait (laughs) stay with me here listen to the music you know what i mean so i think this is another case well this is well this is what we plan to do anyway with with this case of looking at dr dre presents dot 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 the aftermath and you know answering the question well one is it actually as trash as people say it was um you know You know, as a, as a minor tangent, there are so many times where I do these intros, right? And I'm just surprised Ben doesn't interrupt me. <laughs> and I'm kind of glad you did that, because that was just great. Um, so, yes. So, Ben's clearly answered that question already. Um, but And if so, why? <laughs> Which, I guess, <laughs> will be the bulk of this episode. It's all about the why, man. Life's all ben about... Take, ben, take it away. Fuck Life's it all about the why. So, 
what I'm going to do on this podcast is two things I'm going to do. I'm going to answer that question 1,000%. And the second one is I'm going to blow everyone's mind a little bit at the end. Because, you know, as Charlie said, probably most of us were not around. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast and you were around when this dropped, shout out to you. DM me if I fuck anything up. Totally open to hearing about that. Um, but this was a long time ago, man. This was this was pre all of us. So in 1991, we know that Dr. Dre struck out on his own, and this is all important. All this information is important. You know, this is just I'm kind of build some context around this record. Uh, he had a dispute with Eazy-E, and it was Suge Knight, the notoriously notorious bodyguard, who convinced him to hop over to a newly created label, Death Row Records. Now, 1992, Dr. Dre dropped Deep Cover. Later that year, we got The Chronic, one of the most iconic, influential, and classic albums in hip-hop history. When we talk about the Aftermath compilation album, we have to first talk about Dr. Dre, the co-signer, because the most obvious of these is Snoop Dogg whom Dr. Dre, of course, invited onto his debut album, The Chronic, and whom he collaborated with the very next year on Doggy Style, which is, again, another total classic, an album that sold over 800k first week, the most for a hip-hop album until Eminem shipped over a million in the early 2000s. It was also, and I didn't know this before this week, the first album, all genres, to debut at number one on the Billboard 200, which is a chart that goes back to the 60s. That's crazy. I never knew that. Uh, was sometimes forgotten, although never on this podcast, is the other artist that Dr. Dre helped propel to the forefront. Warren G, Dog Pound, Nate Dog. Uh, and I'm not saying that Dr. Dre is the sole reason for these artists blowing up, and that is going to be very key as well when we get to this Aftermath project. Dr. Dre cannot be the sole reason. He just, we'll see. But he found his artistic process on this record, maybe by design, maybe because he'd been collaborating his whole career and it only made sense to continue collaborating. Snoop Dogg, RBX, Jewel, Daz, Warren G, Nate Dogg, DOC, Lady of Rage, Bushwick Bill, Corrupt. The Chronic was a collaborative process with a genius, and I'm fully happy to say genius, at the helm pulling the strings and directing people around. And Snoop was the pivotal part of The Chronic and hence he's the pivotal part of this entire episode because... Dr. Dre told the Defiant Ones that The Chronic only became a possibility after he discovered Snoop Dogg. He was very hesitant to do a solo album until he met him. And Dr. Dre told Rolling Stone this way back, way back in 1993. They did an interview and a profile piece on Dr. Dre and Snoop. And he said, Sometimes it feels good for me to be able to mold an artist and getting him a hit record and to show him something that was inside of him that he didn't know about. Everybody in the business has called me to do some tracks, but I can't see myself doing anything for anybody who has money. I get more joy out of getting somebody like Snoop. I tell Snoop all the time he's going to be the biggest shit. Now, when we get to the aftermath, man, we're going to realize that Snoop Snoop is built different in comparison to some of the artists Dr. Dre tried to put on after him. But Death Row, of course, is an essential part of Dr. Dre's story. Uh, at one stage, Shug had Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, and Tupac, who were all at the peak of their powers. He also had Nate Dogg, The Dog Pound, Daz Dillinger, Corrupt, Bow Wow, MC Hammer, all in the same Jeez, period. Bro, save it for the retrospective. Bro, he had them all in the same period, and the whole thing imploded. And Snoop Dogg said this in 2018, Suge Knight made money in rap, Master P put money in rap. There's a big difference. And Snoop actually said uh, that he didn't own any of his shit. He said, all my cars were in Suge Knight's name. Now, the reason Dr. Dre left Death Row, some allege that he didn't want to work with Tupac anymore. 
Even more people allege that Tupac didn't fuck with Dr. Dre. Uh, Death Row's former head of security claimed that Tupac told him Dr. Dre was disloyal and he didn't want to be around him. Dr. Dre co-founded the label and he had a 50% ownership according to some sources and he walked away from it. And the reason I'm droning on about this is because I want to set the scene as to why the Aftermath album is so hated, why it was so anticipated and what it meant at the time, what it meant at the time. And, you know, before Dr. Dre even left, there were rumors about him leaving. Like, tabloids were reporting on, like, rumors and sources that he was going to leave. This is a massive story. And Dr. Dre said in an interview, if you put out negative energy, you get negative energy in return. And he'd spent some time in prison on a parole violation. I think it was RBX who said that Dr. Dre just didn't want to be around that mentality anymore. Snoop Dogg was the exact same, you know, and we spoke about this on the Snoop retrospective because people talk about why the Dogfather wasn't a great record. And he said, and he he gets pretty upset when people say that. He's like, you know, he, he was actively trying to contradict his first album. He wanted to change his content into a more positive, less violent uh, direction. And Dr. Dre told Lil Wayne this, I think it was 2021 he did this interview uh, about leaving Death Row. He said, the hard part wasn't leaving it was starting again and he said it wasn't so much leaving because he was a talent he knew he could always make money but starting again from zero especially after he was pivotal in being building death row into what it was was a challenge and lady of rage told vlad that it felt like a divorce when dr dre left and that she wanted to go with dr dre but she couldn't and it was challenging for everyone involved at death row losing dr dre was the beginning of the end for the label and I forget who I heard talking about this. It might have been uh, Michelle. Michelle, how do I pronounce her name? Michelle, Michelle. 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 Uh, they said. Mi- uh, say Michelin, but without the end. Michelle. Okay. So whoever, I think it was Michelle, uh, said that Suge was so cavalier about losing Dr. Dre, he didn't even care. And then he was actually talking to Jimmy Iovine about it, basically saying, We don't want Dr. Dre. You can have him. And Jimmy Iovine was cautioning Shud against letting Dre go, but in the end, it was mutual, man. Um, yeah, man, I don't know if you have anything to talk about that. I'm going to talk... The, my next heading is why the album sucked, but like, I don't know if you have anything to say about the the build-up to this, this record. Funny enough, I feel like my... Uh, I don't really have much on the before front, but I actually have... a. But kind of my, most of my thoughts towards this album, um, and well, the thoughts I came out of after this to this album, honestly came, uh, more towards kind of what happened after Fordre and not before. But obviously, um, you know, uh, all all the all the Death Row stuff, um, had to have happened in order for Dre to make this move, and lucky for him. And like you clearly said on this front, in terms of the quote-unquote divorce, he was able to even leave, right? Um, I I I don't want I I say I say the word cutthroat in this sentence, uh, you know, <laughs> in in the in the term it's supposed to be used, but you know, some people could say some people would uh, you know might say uh, you know could be said literally, but you know, that environment was very cutthroat, um, and. The fact that he was able to leave in some in any form and just able to start again is kind of low key a miracle. And the fact that the others kind of wasn't weren't able to says it all. Um, so yeah, you know, I feel I I I don't want to you know 
uh, hindsight man, Dr. Dre's uh, decision making, but you know, I kind of, well, well, not decision making, but just like uh, thoughts towards uh, or how to go about the next move. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure that a compilation album probably was like the way to go. Um, but here we are, you know, it happened, whatever, but, you know, in hindsight, with, with my hindsight glasses on, I feel like it probably wouldn't have, uh, wouldn't have been that advisable, but honestly, and I'll, I'll tee you up here for, you know, the album itself, right, I'll ask you this question, so, with that said, with all the people you've mentioned in the past 10 or so minutes, right, in, in, uh, in, uh, in, uh, pedestal, uh, setting this, setting this up, why is it that none of them, apart from the obvious reason of, you know, contract, whatever, right? Why is it that Dre got all of these people um, that, I'm go- I'm not going to lie, Ben, I have really never heard of any of these people, um, apart from the obvious names, right? It's So why is it that he's he uh, made a whole album with people that people probably never heard of before? And probably never heard of after this album came out. Well, that's going to be fascinating when I get... Because I'm going to go track by track. I'm going to go through every single one of these artists that Dr. Dre got on this project. And I'm going to tell you what they did prior and what they did after. But before I get to that, (laughs) I want to say like... I want to just give up because the album did suck. Okay. It really did suck. And people in hindsight are just like this, this album is trash. And Charlie has always said this to me and I didn't, and my whole ending is very short, but like it, it just, it revolves around something I'll I'll say it at the end, but like, you know, (sighs) Michelle A said that Jimmy, Jimmy Iovine had no idea what to do with Dr. Dre when he came over to Interscope because that's where uh, Aftermath began. It began, it would, I mean, it's still part of Interscope, so it began with Jimmy Iovine. And that struck me for a few reasons because the first is we know Dr. Dre to be a deeply talented curator and identifier of star qualities, but maybe we forget mm-hmm. that even in 96, he was still an artist who was thrust into the role of businessman. It's not like Dr. Dre was, you know, Diddy, who began his career on the industry side and then dipped his toe right. into the artistry. Dr. Dre was the exact right. opposite. He had just left a label situation in which he owned 50%. He had just left that. Like, Lil Wayne asked him in an yeah. interview why he left so much money on the table at death row. Dr. Dre's answer was cryptic, as usual, saying that he never leaves money on the table because he is the talent and thus he will always be able to make money. But that's not answering the question. Because, yeah, you can make more money, but that money is still on the table that you left it there. And he actually told MTV that he went through way more than the public even knows. He said, to me, the record business is the worst business you can be involved in. Now, you could argue that Death Row had served its purpose for Dr. Dre, but I guarantee you after he dropped the Aftermath album, he looked like he was floundering, genuinely. To go from a label with Tupac that was making over $100 million a year in the mid-90s to a boutique label with a roster of genuine no-names, and they are no-names, continue to be no-names, they still are to this day, um, in comparison to the roster of Death Row, with a few superstars sprinkled in, 
It only served to enhance the scrutiny on the Aftermath album. Dr. Dre Mm -hmm. in 1996 had to stick the landing, and he did not. He definitely did not. Mm -hmm. When he went to Interscope, he did so with a vision of creating a a boutique artist-led label who would focus on a few curated releases a year, not a major conglomerate managing a bevy of artists in the same way Rockefeller or Bad Boy did. You know, Jay-Z's whole goal with Rockefeller, for example, was to release one album. Yeah, man, but can't stop, won't stop. You got, like, come on. Bad Boy was bananas in the late 90s. And Rockefeller was too, in a way. Like, not in the same way, but Jay-Z's goal was to become a businessman and to, to release one album and then promote the, the albums of his artists. But Dr. Dre kept it very simple. He signed a firm and RBX off-rip alongside Group Therapy. Now, Group Therapy is obviously, we'll get into it, but like a super group. Now, the firm was the only act to even release a project under the label until Eminem in 1998. Like, you know, and then Truth Hurts in 2001. So in like, what, five years, they got two projects from actual, three projects from actual acts? That's crazy. Dr. Dre also didn't manage to smuggle anyone of any note out of Death Row with him outside of RBX. Aftermath wasn't even anything when the album dropped, and despite Dr. Dre's impressive Rolodex, he had not worried about burning bridges up until that point in his career. He had burnt some bridges. And a cheat code would have been to throw Snoop on every song. But two weeks prior, Snoop had dropped his sophomore album, The Dogfather, via Death Row, the album that would see him out of that deal. And since Dr. Dre was trying to establish Aftermath separate from his previous situation, it wouldn't have made sense to throw a bunch of Death Row rappers on the album because what would have been the point of that? It would have just been the same thing that he was Mm -hmm. doing at Death Row. He might as well have stayed at Death Row. So this results Mm -hmm. in a really hamstrung Dr. Dre performance because Dr. Dre is many things, but he's not a writer. And he's relied heavily on the pens of other people like Ice Cube, MC Ren, Snoop Dogg uh, to craft compelling bars. And you have to remember also, Dr. Dre hadn't dropped a solo record since 92. And his most recent outings were California Love with Tupac, one of the greatest hip-hop songs of all time, Hot 100 number one, and No Diggity with Blackstreet, also a number one song. Those were the two singles he dropped prior to the Aftermath album. Bro! What? Like, imagine those being the two. And Dr. Dre wanted a, uh, people, sorry, wanted a Dr. Dre solo album. They wanted to hear what he had to say. And, you know, if you look at some examples, right? If we look at some comparisons with um with the Aftermath album, look at uh, Eminem Presents the Re-Up, which is celebrating its 15th anniversary today. That came in 06, seven years after Eminem debuted, has a similar function to Aftermath. It was an opportunity for Eminem to allow his shady records charges to skate over his own production. We get some amazing songs like You Don't Know, but to be honest, most of it's a mess. But that doesn't matter at all because almost everyone on this tape was already stupidly successful. There's no pressure. No one needed Eminem to drop a Rough Riders level label like compilation. But Dr. Dre, for the first time in his life, was... The soul head. There was no Easy E. There was no Suge Knight. There was no Tupac. It was Dr. Dre striking out alone. And yeah, man, like there was so much pressure. And people hate this album because of what it should have been. Not even what could have been. Because Dr. that's the thing. That's the key thing. Dr. Dre was a proven entity. He should have dropped a 2001 level project. And we know in hindsight, Dr. Dre doesn't work that way. He's a perfectionist. 
And through that lens, this album looks even weirder. Like, what the fuck is this album? It's all compounded <laughs> by the fact that Dr. Dre doesn't even speak about it very often. Think about all the projects Dr. Dre's lent his name to over the years. I would say there's a handful that you could call like six to seven out of tens. The rest are seven plus out of ten. And this is like a three. So this is just a complete outlier anomaly. And that's why it sucks, man, because... It's not what could have been, it was should have been. And it should have been so much better than this. <sighs> yeah. Um I, I I think the that that context of, you know, where he was at the time and what was the landscape at the time is very important. Um he had a lot of there was a lot of pressure there. And I hope back to something you said to uh, previously earlier talking about you know what uh what dre kind of had to be after the uh, after death row um because i i you know i keep i keep thinking about the the biopic strow compton right not as like you know the be all and end all to everything but i just really enjoy the film right um, but i do often think about it whenever we talk about you know anything in the dre universe um, because now that you, you were talking about why, how Dre had to be, kind of had to, was forced to be, you know, a kind of label head, so to speak, right? And you watch something like Stray Out Compton, or even Defiant Ones, right? Uh, the documentary series, which I, uh, really freaking enjoyed. I remember, I, uh, I think I wrote a review for every episode. I loved it so much. I had so many words for it. Um, so, you know... When you watch both of them, it the something that comes out of Dr. Dre is that this guy just wants to do music, and he rarely and he he, he deals with the with the industry shit because he has to, right? And everyone else has to. Um, but he's clearly just an artist that just wants to do art, right? And I'm here for that, and I kind of feel that's the no, I, I kind of feel that's the thing. Not to make this, well, it's kind of a Dre retrospective in some ways, but um, we've already done Dre before. But, you know, something I don't think I said before that it is that I think that's something that a lot of us feel drawn towards when it comes to Dre is the, not the perfectionism, right? You know, you can be that kind of person. I try not to be. Um, but, you know, the, the, the wanting of just putting out good art and getting good people to do that art with that's just the purest essence of it, and we we're all here for that, right? But obviously, like you said, it's kind of a hamstring moment where you can't just you can't leave a label and then get everyone off the label. Uh, that you even if you can, you shouldn't probably because what's the point? You're kind of you're not exactly making a statement there. You're kind of if anything, you're saying that you probably shouldn't have left. Um, so you know, he kind of had to have that slate clean, um, which is understandable. Mmm, but boy, boy, boy. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's just a, it is a, it's a disappointment of an album in in a lot of ways. Um, you know, there are some things I we can I, I guarantee we can take some things away from it um, on a positive note. But yeah, overall, and again, echoing what you said previously, <coughs> there's the 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 context of where Dre was at and what the people and what the the hip hop um I guess landscape demanded 
mate, he missed that mark heavy. And, uh, you know, this is, I'm trying to find a, I'm trying to think of like a modern day equivalent. Um, but I can't think of one right now, but I feel like there's, I don't think there's been a moment in this fashion where there's some, there's like a quote unquote free agent, right? That has gone on his own in, in, you know, hypothetically, um, and has just completely cratered. It's so ironic that the album cover is what it is. <laughs> it is the most ironic album cover ever. Like, just the... Literally just a plume of nuclear... <laughs> nuclear hellfire. It's so ironic, because, you know... Not that this is... this. I, I, I want to say this, right? Context out the window. It's not the worst album ever. Right, mm. there's a couple of, tra- and you know, when we get into the tracks, you know, we'll we'll probably agree on what tracks are half decent, and oh, you know, if we were forced to spin again, we'd probably would spin those, right? Um, I'm sure we'll agree on a couple of them, but again, with the context, bro, damn man, it's just oh, Jesus Christ, one explode, one implosion of epic proportions, like, um, but yeah, uh, I'll 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 stop I'll stop I'll stop there so we can go through the tracks, but. Um, yeah, if he if he this would feed right nicely into my final point, but um, obviously we'll we'll get that we'll get to that at the end. So well, yeah, um, what what tracks you want to go through? I mean, look, I'm gonna go through them all, but I'm not. I haven't okay. got heaps to say. I haven't. I haven't got like tomes. I mean, yeah, yeah, you know, go, I haven't oh, got tomes. Oh, but yeah, okay. <laughs> it starts with the first track. I think is very strong. Uh, Ruben Cruz, yeah, Sid McCoy dropping Venom. Right over. It's only one less than three minutes. Is it? Shit. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, every bro, it's hour. This like, this is the first thing that, cut, that came to me with this when this album It's sixteen tracks, but it's seventy one minutes. What the fuck is that? <laughs> it's too long, man. <laughs> oh, you know the term "all killer, no filler." Yeah. Mm. Not applicable. And <laughs> <laughs> <N-A. laughs> No, no applicable here. <laughs> NA. <laughs> NA fam. <laughs> Not found. Um, oh, look, man. 404. <laughs> this is the thing. This is why I'm going to... This is the direction I'm going to go in. Who, Firstly, who the fuck okay. is Sid McCoy? Now, Sid McCoy <laughs> was a okay. soul music DJ who worked in the 40s. So that's unlikely to be the same... Um, what? That's unlikely to be the same Sid McCoy, right? There is a Sid McCoy okay. who's quite famous. He had a radio show something. that was massive in the 60s. Discogs okay. li- list Sid McCoy on this record and no others, so it's it's safe to assume he hasn't had a storied career after this record. Ruben Cruz was on The Roach, which was the outro to The Chronic, uh, but he was also cut off after this. He was on a Raskas song and a King T song. He has three lead credits on this project, the intro, Sexy Dance, and Fame. He has the most... In 2020, he did an exclusive interview with Soul Tracks, and they explained that his career, he worked with Poor, Broken, Lonely in the early 90s. Um, he was signed to Easy, he was signed to Ruthless, and he became part of the quartet Portrait. So Ruben Cruz is the only artist on this entire project who actually, he was not established when the album came out. I mean, obviously we've got Keras, One, Nas, Be Real, RBX on here, but he was the only artist who was not established prior to this record who had any semblance of a career afterwards on the very first fucking song. 
and that's it <laughs> after that. It's devoid. So the the first song is great. And as I said to Charlie, I text Charlie the other night, right? Because I've started listening to it on Friday night. And I was hanging out with my sister and we had a glass of wine and I'm like an ultra lightweight because I never, ever drink. So I was a little bit tipsy and I came back to my apartment and I was like, you know what? I'm going to put this record on. First record, second record. I'm like, this is a banger. I said to Charlie, what is, why do people hate this record, man? There's some bangers on here. Charlie's like, really? That's going to make for an interesting episode. And then it fell off a cliff, but it starts (laughs) super strong, man. I like this song a lot. This is a good song. Yeah, no, it's, um, yeah, it's just, if this if this came out any time in any any time like it would have it would have hit like there's, there's no there's no uh age to to you know having KRS be real and Nas on one track like it just doesn't and I kind of think like there's like there's something to say about this uh, particular um it, this album uh, um, this song comes off like very diplomatic um. And this is and this is even before the East Coast West Coast beef. From uh, if I if my my timestamps are correct, um, so it's, if this came out like in ninety, like oh wait, well yeah, when when was the when did the beef start? No, nah, this yeah. was during oh, the, this is definitely during the beef. This during was, it, um, yeah, yeah, okay. Because they, they got the song. Uh, are you talking about? Group, are you on group therapy now? Or are you talking about the intro? Oh, sorry, I'm talking about East Coast West Coast killers, yeah. Yeah. Um. No, this was during the beef. Yeah, I've completely, I've completely moved on. <laughs> um. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it comes off very diplomatic, which is very fascinating. Um. To have like just a, uh, you know, a, just an obvious, weird, weird, you know, uh, what's uh, Rainbow Coalition kind of uh, thing going on here, where it's just like I'm East Coast, he's West Coast, and we're shaking hands. Um, but you know, past that is very solid. Like um, you know, you, like I said, you can't really go wrong with B Real and KRS and uh, even RBX. Actually, you know, so RBX uh, do some good stuff here. It goes uh, uh, tactics, extract morbid thoughts from the mental, custom design for instrumental. Yes, indeedy, lyrical graffiti. Uh, and this one's a burner, baby. Truck like Toyota driven, true living, driving with the gat. Ah, oh, pop the clutch, let the cold crush rush. And I flush whack material. It's it's good. It's good stuff here, all over. So um, you know, solid track overall. Well, you have to remember that like Parker just passed away in September, and this record came out in November. So right, um, ninety-six. You go. know, Snoop okay. talked a lot about uh, Snoop talked heaps about um the direction he took on the Dogfather and the reason why his content changed so dramatically after Park passed. And I think that. This is a great pro- this is a great song sorry this is a really good song I'm really sad that this went nowhere group therapy like you know this is the the beat on this firstly could have been on doggy style it's a great beat um I, yeah mm-hmm. it's good it's really good mm-hmm. uh yeah. bro KRS one Nas's performance on here is amazing as is like this is 96 Nas this was it was written Nas uh yeah. unbelievable um and i read an, an article on ambrosia for heads and they spoke about how the verses on here were very wary of the east coast west coast beef um and yeah man like group therapy unfortunately went nowhere after this they don't have anything else to their name uh i really would have loved a project from them i think that the the mix of these four artists is very very weird but it works so yeah. well. It works really surprisingly well. 
And first two tracks, man, you got to be sitting at home when you've just bought the CD, you've ripped the the packaging off it, you put it in, yeah. you're looking at the credits, you're like, yeah. woof, or we're in for something <laughs> special here. And then we get shit yeah. on the world. <laughs> shit on the world. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Um, I, was, I, was, I, was, I was just, yeah shitting on it shitting on the world I, I, I don't know it's, it's kind of it's just so I think it's I think it's the I think it's the second verse for me I think that kind of just makes it a bit hilarious um I, I, yeah here we go uh I'm here to infinity my shit be out of space with the Ewoks this is my planet but I never wear the Reeboks what does that mean when we rock to the beat of acapella, most reign supreme. Niggas grab your umbrellas. It's time to bounce, so we're the player, mate. Uh, jealous MCs still drinking on that haterade. Ooh, haterade. Now, that is a Bitch. 90s <laughs> reference. There. I, I, I mean, I've heard haterade recently. Like, uh, um, you know, I, I don't I don't mind that. Uh, it, it's just funny how it, how it comes out on here. Uh, bitches floating with the giggles and chuckles. You'll never get the jizzy bare knuckle. Cause I get a tingle in the jimmy after Oof. three days in it. Oof! <laughs> Hold up, back to the clinic. Why does this? Where does this come from? This just <laughs> comes out of the blue. Why? Like this was why on his he... mind. This was on his why? mind in the booth. <laughs> like something was going on. Yeah, I know, right? He had a he had a, a fucking urologist come like appointment next week or something like. But he gets like he goes down to I walk so like the next few bars are like I walk the earth like Moses. What he just three three bars ago he said and he had an STD and now he's walking the earth like <laughs> Moses, allegedly, <laughs> allegedly, <laughs> allegedly, bro. Uh, yeah, I, I yeah, no idea, no, I mean, no, no idea. Yeah, this is cra- it's just um yeah it's superb elite level, um just uh track to track uh uh uh, jump it's just glorious it's like um it's like it's like that spongebob episode where like they take the bus and it just hits rock bottom and it literally just goes straight down it's glorious uh he says shitting on the world 17 times on here and they flush a toilet at the end of the song (laughs) um (laughs) it's bad man it's bad melman was a fully fledged artist with a huge career as a producer so Melman okay. uh, worked prior to uh, this this record. He also then worked on 2001, Slim Shady LP, Marshall Mathers LP. Uh, he worked heavily on the Firm album, some stuff with Exhibit, Ice Cube's War and Peace. But post-2010, it dries up considerably, but he had a career before and after this album so it's surprising to me that one of the worst songs on the record actually came from someone who was a proven performer and you would expect to have done better than this but is poor man is is poor and then we get blunt time blunt time with the rbx is fine it's decent i like it rbx is well known of course joined death row in 92 he's the cousin of snoop and daz dillinger um expected this song to be good it has to be it's rbx he's pretty consistent and that's that's the thing about this record man like rbx this song is not that it's not an amazing song right but it's good that should be the lowest level on this record that should be like the the, this should this song should be keeping time this should be a filler song like a b-side you know yeah but it's one of the best songs on the record 
and that's it you know yeah. it's just it's bananas yeah. that after this song uh, being there done that uh holy shit does it drop off a cliff but being there done that is 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 it's decent, man. It need the thing about being there, um, done that yeah. is it needed to be epic. This is the problem. It's the first. It's I it's think it's not, the only yeah, Doctor Dre just, song on here, and yeah, yeah it was a single. Yeah. It totally tanked. <laughs> it went thirty one yeah. in New Zealand. I don't know how that happened, but that's <laughs> it. It didn't chart anywhere else in the world. The beat is fire. The beat is really good, but it didn't have the bop or the energy you'd expect from a first single. And yeah. if Dr. Dre is the overlord on this release, you'd expect him to clean it up every time. But his performance is so sleepy on this song. It's not a good song. Uh, it's just an ultra seaside. And it's like, this is the single. This is the first single, man. Like, what the fuck? The amount of uh, the amount of old timey references you're dropping on this episode as it pertains to ways of listening of mu- uh, listening to music. Like... Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm waiting for the I'm waiting for the fucking uh, cassette tape. Kind I was of, uh, thinking I might tape, uh, pull a cassette reference out. What's what's the other one? A track. Yeah. Yeah. What's the A track reference? Is it, are we going to get an A track reference I'm coming? Thinking in? about it. There's uh, another one called <laughs> mini disc. Wait till I pull out the mini disc. Mini disc. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not even. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, it's it's both of those tracks like are lukewarm. But they're the best tracks on here, and that kind of says that that we kind of could end the show there and just go like, yeah, this is kind of where it is. Uh, if these are the two best tracks on the album, then you know we kind of can. Te- we've kind of told you kind of how lackluster and how much lacking there is as pertains to this album. Um, but you know, I'll jump onto choices by Kim Summerson, which I'm not even that. Um, I'm, I don't even hate it that much. I don't mind it. I think it's a solid track. Um, I th- I feel it's a, a weird placement in the album uh, right after been there done that uh, to have like a fully fledged R and B track going on, um, but you know as uh, as one track itself in, in its own vacuum, um, I feel like it's a solid track. I can't even complain about it. Well, if you do want this record on cassette, I just looked it up. It's um it never <laughs> came out on vinyl, but there's plenty of cassettes going really? around. Ooh, yeah, okay. plenty of cassettes. There's uh surprising. One from Poland, that's 32 euros. That's a lot of money for a cassette, man. For a cassette? Jeez. Ooh, no there's problem. one on here that's $99. Where is this? To Pencil Rewind? No, thank you. Ukraine, $99. Near Mint. So if you do want it on cassette, it's out there, man. You just got to stump sorry, up the I'm cash. sorry. There's, there's, no, there's no cassette. I, I, I just... Nah, there I is. Like is a, I feel like this is a bite ep- bicep, uh, turn into a bicep episode suddenly, but I'm just like... I, I making my attention. I've never... As a guy, and I'm I'm fully aware of my hypocrite hypocr- hypocriteness when it comes to the statement, but hip- it's not how you say it, but I like it. Um, you know, cassettes are just I don't I don't get cassettes. I get vinyl, but I don't get cassettes. But I can understand where pe- why people don't understand vinyl. So, you know, I'm I'm fully aware of my placement in that argument, but I just don't get cassettes. Like I had cassettes as a youth. Uh, like basically audio books as a, as a child to go sleep to. Um, shout out to Fantastic Mr. Fox and the first uh, episode of um the first chat uh, first book of uh, Harry Potter. Um, but yeah, I I just um I don't get ca- I never understood cassettes um as a as a whole to be honest. There's one anyway. cassette worth spending that much money on, and that is Slum Village's debut project. Oh, that's a, that's, a, that's a hot take. That's a hot take. People are going to go, where's, where's purple tape? Purple tape. Uh. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But 
But no, I mean like $130 for that. How much is purple tape? It's not going to be that much, surely. I mean, for mint? Near mint? Probably. Most likely. Um, I'm going to look it up while we're talking. But like, we get, yeah. I mean, <laughs> Kim Summerson, I thought this was a really dull performance. Uh, Kim Summerson, another artist who had no favors, favors done for her. She dropped a single in 2020. Called, I literally saw that. I literally yeah. saw it. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> I know. But that's it, man. The most fascinating, the, honestly, as an as an advisement, guys, if you're going to listen to this, right, obviously you're probably most likely to listen to this on stream, right? Just click the artist afterwards. Just just give it a click because there's just some freak, there's just some weird shit that comes out of here. And most of the time, there's just nothing else left. Yeah. But some of them have, like, dropped stuff recently and it's just really odd. Like it's 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 the most fascinating hole you can go down as you listen to this album. Like just give that a crack and just click the artist's name as you listen. It's fu- it's fascinating. It's fascinating. Continue. It's fascinating. Um. So yeah, Kim Summerson. You know that's it. That's it. One song. She has eight twenty two followers on IG. According to Discogs, she was a Dr. Dre protege. So allegedly, she was a Dr. Dre protege. Pro- sorry, prodigy protege. And that's it. There's there's nothing else really to say about that song. It's pretty boring. Now we get the. The truly aptly titled Miscellaneous. Um, <laughs> let's listen to some of their bars. Worst name. Worst name. I'm sorry. Like, it's just, you're begging. You're begging for ridicule like with you're that name get, like that. You're going to so get clowned with that name, man. But some of the bars yeah. here. A tar can of hose to lubricate my system quick. Shaky bitches oh, off the dick. Because she got a vice grip on the flow for my lips. And then on the third, on the third verse, we get underground till my brown-eyed balls turn turn blue. The fuck is this shit, man? Sorry, what, bro? I don't understand because it's a standalone bar, and I don't know what it means. Underground, underground till, till my, my brown-eyed, brown-eyed balls, balls turned blue. blue. Well, I, okay, okay, right, okay. I I get Break it, it now, down for us, Charlie. Break it down. No, no, no. I don't. No, no. I'm not. I'm not a genius entertainer. Right? Don't don't get at me like that. Don't don't start. Don't. Don't act like it's that. Um, I I I heard it wrong. Like you, you said, brown eye, and I was just like, "Why is he talking about his asshole?" <laughs> and then bull, and then balls turned blue, and I was like, "Why is he talking about his nuts in the same bar?" I was I was really confused. So yeah, underground oh, till my okay, right? Because I so I I think it okay. I think it's because his nuts are to the ground, like how some artists, how some dudes say that. I yeah. keep my nuts to the ground, you know what I mean? I'm, yeah. I'm ten toes down, my nuts are... I'm so ten toes down, my nuts are on the ground, you know what I mean? Yeah. Stuff yeah. like that. Um, so I'm assuming that's what it is. Um, but then balls turn blue. I... Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I tried. Yeah. I mean, look, you're starting to see a pattern emerging here. Um... <laughs> Miscellaneous had an album in 2000 titled In My City, but it wasn't on Aftermath. And that's literally it. So, oh, really? Yeah. So far... <laughs> didn't, didn't, didn't keep him on? Okay. So far, not a single one of the new artists Dr. Dre introduces on here has gone on to do anything. Um, and then we get uh, Got Me Open, which is hands-on, which is an act so anonymous that someone actually took that name and began rapping under it in 2011. No. <laughs> the only oh, credit Phil. Hands-On has is this one Damn. album. If you go listen to the Hands-On like person who's rapping, it's it's not the same. Like it's just not the same, um which is really funny that like 
a group was so anonymous that someone took their name. Especially if you're on a Dr. Dre album. It's not like it's not like there was some obscure cassette only act of the nineties. This is like a genuine you know, and, and Dr. Dre must have literally sat down and just tried to find people this anonymous and unlikely to succeed. It unbelievable. Like, he's done this surely on purpose. And the song is not good, man. It's got. It's just not. It's not good. It's it's what you would expect from an artist who artists who are just not that great. Yeah, and I feel like the I feel like um the the, the uh the beat the beats on here like in the especially in these recent tracks like they kind of just blend together to me. Like it just has that um just like slow kind of slow bounce to them. Um, kind of, I guess it's supposed to be that like that riding in the whip kind of uh, kind of beat going on, but they just all blend together for me personally. Um, so yeah, it's, just, it's really it's really weird. Hopping on to, I want to hop onto Straight Gone right quick. Um, I'll start with that because um, um I, it's so fascinating to me this track. I'm not gonna lie to you because King T gives off a performance where I feel like if Tupac did this. It would be kind of not similar in quality or whatever, but it just comes off as like a pack rip. Well, um, come on now, because King T is a pioneer. King T would sign a capital in the late '80s, and he is. Oh, really? Yeah, okay. he is actually credited as one of the pioneers of gangster rap, one of the pioneers of G- of G funk. So, okay, yeah, Maybe park it back. So he um All he right. predates Park by a long way. Okay. I mean, actually, with that, with that learned, I don't mind the track now. Okay, with that, with that, learnt, with that um, new information, I don't mind the track. I think it's solid. Um, yeah, because I, I, I just don't mind it. So uh, you know, the beat's very, you know, got that kind of like dark, dingy tone to it. Um, yeah, you know, the the yeah, the lyrics ain't too bad. Um, there's no uh, brown eyed bulls or anything. In this one, um, you know, he, met, he gives a uh, gives uh, some love to Easy E. Um, that was that was kind of a good word play there. Uh, he said real motherfucking G R I P. I didn't mind that. Um, so yeah, some some so okay stuff with it. Um, not I guess the I guess the hook wasn't that good, but you know, apart from that, solid. No, it's with good. that with that new information, definitely good track. One King of the T. better tracks of the album, <laughs> I, as you'd expect. Again, we're getting like these. This is a proven performer, like King T. You know, okay, he worked yeah. with DJ. Who uh, he was responsible for the rise of the alcoholics. Um, he was one of the first ever mm. hip hop artists from Compton. Uh, you know, signed to Capital, dropped Shit. his debut in 1988. He dropped a, I think it was 01, 02. He dropped an album that was Kingdom Come, produced by Dr. Dre. Uh, he has his own record label. Um, Worked with Molly Mile, you know, he worked uh, on GTA San Andreas, um, heaps of stuff, man, <laughs> heaps of stuff. So, like, King oh, T is King a, T, bro. yeah, King T is a, is a proven performer. Then we get uh, Maurice Wiltshire, uh, please, <laughs> solid beat. Um, Wiltshire just slips deeply into the background with some really bad lyrics, really horrid lyrics. Get down on your knees and beg me, please. Now that's an oxymoron, right? Because like you're ask you're begging someone to get down on their knees and beg you. Yeah. So you're both on your knees begging each other and for then come s- back to me. Yeah. Yeah. So that's an oxymoron. But anyway, that I mean that's obviously Maurice Wiltshire went nowhere. One song on Spotify, which is this song, 
We also got vocals from Nicole Johnson on this song, who is actually a writer and a session musician. Uh, she's written and arranged for 702. Um, she actually apparently has a, a management credit on Loyal to the Game by Tupac from 04. Uh, she doesn't have any credit to post 2004. So she was just a, she's a session musician and her, her credits are, you know, vocal contributions. So up to this point, Dr. Dre is still batting zero, a solid zero up to this point. Unbelievable that he's managed to do that thus far. Um, and then Do For Love, which actually uses the same sample as One Love, which only serves to make me want to go listen to One Love, surprisingly. <laughs> and, you know, G- Gerald Lockhart, surprise, surprise, one credit, and it's this song. At this stage, bro, I'm convinced Dr. Dre is just cruising around LA looking for random people and then paying him 50 bucks to sing on a song and not even giving him a lift home. So, yeah, you find your way home, bro. The album will be out on cassette soon, and uh, I'll send you a copy. Like, what the fuck? Who are these? No offense to these people, and I'm going to make that point in a second, but, like, what is going on here? What is he doing? I don't understand it. It's just it's, it's mind-boggling to me. I've never come across an album like this where a, a, a massive name has corralled this bunch of like pro- collaborators who just went literally nowhere they have one single credit and it's on this record i i'm so confused as to what's going on at this point yeah um after yeah after honestly after straight gone i kind of just like uh my head my head just kind of went smooth honestly it was just like i, I was really kind of gather anything anymore it's just it got, kind of just got worse and worse like you mentioned please and do for love and i'm just like okay Sexy dance oh. uh, with RC is no, um, yeah just uh, just a big terrible. for me. Um, it, it samples a sexy dancer by Prince, um, which uh, kind of says it all there. Um, don't sample Prince, um, not because you know Prince is crap or anything. Just don't sample nah, Prince nah, you're if you're not as, if you if you're not as confident with your sexuality as Prince is. And no um, one is. It's it, yeah exactly. Um, it's not work. It's not, it ain't gonna work. It won't work with your tongue. What you did with your tongue, that made me go arising. <laughs> uh, arising, yeah. In my memory, when you make it up to me, when you were kind of surprising, when you were kind of surprising, baby. Yes, you were. No, it's just, yeah. Uh, it's just a uh, really not good R&B track. Um, and, uh, but yeah, that was, um, that was, that was a very ex- outstanding low point, I must say. It was um, low. This album. That's a low. That was, yeah. That's a lot. I think that was. I think. I think these these three tracks. The ten. You know. Please do for love. Sexy dance. I think was the lowest point in this uh, album for me personally. I agree. I think. Um, Who's who pops up next with uh, no second chance, which is weird because Who's who didn't even use their first chance, let alone get it to a second. Uh, but like, uh, I wrote that uh, one down. I thought about that the low other blow. Low You blow. know, I wrote that one down. <laughs> But they have two credits post this. Uh, I think it's a, a rapper. It could be a, a duo. Uh, two credits post this record. Uh, one on a King T song. Um, then Sharif comes next with LAW, and you guessed it. Only credit is this song. And then Nation. Good track, though. Nation. Yes, it's all right. It's all right. It gets better towards the end, this record. like It does get better. Um, the Ruben well. Cruz truck at the end is terrible. Uh, <laughs> this Nation Owl song with Now. Okay, um, I have I have I have a joke for this. Right, this is this is how it sounds to me. 
This is how now, 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 now. Well, he now. says now, national, so it's now. Um, this is how he sounds to me. You remember that skit with uh, Chappelle um, uh, where he did that two-pack, uh, I'm still alive but not alive uh, thing? <laughs> yeah, uh, he, was in, the, he was, like, was in the club. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> His <laughs> name is stuff from like uh, <laughs> from like the two thousands, but it's like since ninety four. It's like, oh right, okay, okay. That's what that's what this. He sounds like Dave Chappelle doing a two pack track, and he actually recorded it. Like that's what it sounds like to me. It's like if two pack by Dave Chappelle did a track. That's what it sounds like to me. It's absolutely fascinating to me. It's crazy how it comes how it comes off. It's so weird. Like I'm, I'm, just, I'm, I'm ready for him to just go like, let's do do like in, in the, in the middle of it, cause, oh, so weird. <laughs> I don't mind the, and I don't mind the wordplay with national, by the way, but it's I just don't know how. Yeah, I, I, I like that. That's that's cool. Like, and honestly, that's some that's some good advertiser right there to you know put your national by now. Yeah, yeah, you, you know, it's it's memorable. It's memorable. Um, so you know, as marketing goes. As as uh, self p- personal one to one marketing that he's done that right there, not bad. Uh, but yeah, apart from that, kind of sounds like if uh, Dave Chappelle tried to do a uh, two pack parody album. <coughs> I'm gonna go listen to that skit. I'm gonna go watch that skit after this because that shit was hilarious. <laughs> Dog life. Um, I'm still I'm not alive. <laughs> Does he start like naming shit that's going on in the club too, and then Dave yeah, Chappelle's yeah, exactly. like, looking around like, yeah, what exactly, the f-? yeah. <laughs> Bro, that skit is actually hilarious. It is really funny. I mean, we might Classic. not be doing it yeah. justice right now, but like, no, no, no I'm literally was... just trying desperately to remember them, but I just can't. I just remember a couple of it. Dave Chappelle was yeah, a genius. Great. Um, Glorious. that's it, man. Like, look, zero new artists on this album went on to have any kind of appreciable career. That's deeply impressive. That level of genuine anonymity. Exactly. It's yeah. It's crazy. It's shocking. As for the producers, Dr. Dre used one. eleven other than himself. Now only three of those went on to have any kind of career after this record, uh, which is better than the artists, but it's still low tier. And you know, on all levels, this album was a failure. It's, it sounds horrible. Uh, and that makes sense because the artists Dr. Dre recruited were no names, and even with his co-sign and appearance on one of the most anticipated albums of the 90s, they couldn't bring anything particularly listenable. And that's okay because my view is it's Dr. Dre's fault entirely. Like This is not the fault of the art, and that's the point I, was, I said I was going to make earlier. This is not the fault of the artists. You know, whether, whether he rushed this record, whether he used the wrong people, whether he bought into his own hubris, whether he felt he was invincible, um, or whether he was working out what to do, and this was just a huge mistake he needed to make. It doesn't matter. It, it falls on Dr. Dre's shoulders. And in the end, it never mattered because no one cares anymore. And that's the thing. That's my whole point. Dr. Dre followed it up with classics. And think of how egregious it was at the time for him to leave Death Row, leave Tupac and Suge, leave the hit-making factory he was part of, and his first project back isn't a follow-up to The Chronic. It's just a shitty compilation album. And why do you think he mentions haters saying he fell off? Like, I was always wondering on on 2001. And he says, you know, people keep uh-huh. saying that. He's, you know, uh, people say Dre fell off. How? My last album was The Chronic. I'm like, who was saying that? I mean, but now I totally understand 
Uh, but it did not matter in the slightest because no one cares anymore. It's it's a trash album in an otherwise glittering career. And to me, that is wild. That is so wild to me. It was something that robbed people up so much back then. I've read like reviews. I've read. I've heard people talk about it. And it it was upsetting at the time. People were genuinely hammering him for it. But it's entirely immaterial now. No one cares. You know, Charlie said at the start, I bet you most of you hadn't even listened to this record. Most of you might not even know it exists. Like, but at the time it was massive. But now no one cares anymore. And I find that so fascinating. It gives me hope for Chance. It gives me hope for Chance the Rapper, man. He might, <laughs> might, might be at some point we'll look back at the big day and be like, eh, it's funny, eh? Like... Who cares? No. But like, no. I mean, look, he's got acid rap in his back catalog. That's the thing, and that was the thing about the big day that that reminded me of this record of aftermath is it's not what could have been, it's what should have been, and I think that that's a really important thing. Like, if you look at a lot of careers in hip hop, the the maddening like aspect is what could have been, but with it with some artists the thing that is more maddening and frustrating is it should have been something different because you knew that they were proven performers. And luckily for Dr. Dre, I mean, he's a superstar and a genius and he he, he just shoved this under the rug and no one talks about it anymore. Maybe that will happen for chance, I don't know. But like, yeah, I just found that fascinating. But with all that said, uh, I feel, I don't think we would have gotten something on the level of 2001 if it wasn't for this That's album. That's a good thing. Because clearly, Why do you feel like that you way? Said, well, like you said, you know, he, he goes on Still Dre. Uh, people, think I, uh, people think I fell off. Now, he kind of, uh, you know, hid the lead a little bit uh, by saying his last album was The Chronic. Yeah. Well, he's not, he's not, he's factually not wrong, but we, but, you know, we now that we've listened to this, we gather that he's kind of bearing the lead as to why people were saying he fell off. Okay, because you know he had that amazing intro by saying you know he had to do all this, and you know there's probably a lot of stuff that happened during that time that we're probably will never ever be aware of and will never be privy to. Right? Um, that will then they'll just uh, be lost in the sands of time. Okay, but. There's a reason people think you fell off, okay? And it wasn't because the chronic was hot and, you know, and it took you a few years to do another one. No, that's not why. It's because there's a little thing in the middle called the aftermath with the most ironic artwork of all time with people that you never heard of and probably will never hear of after this episode drops um, coming through with this uh, outstanding... Um, just mist fest. This is like this is like the st- this this is this this hits as much as a stormtroopers hit. You know what I mean? Just just it's, it's that it's still it's stormtroopers in Star Wars. That that's the aim on this album. It's absolutely crazy to me. Um, but yeah, I I will say I don't think that, uh, I don't think he clearly had a battery put in his back over this. And I th- and like you said, he doesn't talk about it anymore, so he's aware. That is that it was boo boo, and he was aware of and he was aware of it then, and he's aware of it now. So I don't think, uh, and you know, it's kind of just one of those things where you know, you, people be. Uh, I don't want to sound like one of those inspirational entrepreneur people, but you know, an L is a lesson. Take the lesson. You know what I mean? Just one of, one of those things. Um, so you know, 
I don't think we would have gotten uh, uh, 2001 in on the level that we did because um, there was the the re- I I feel like with that album in particular, and I'll finish here. You know, the reason why that album is so comes across so there's so much chest in it. You know what I mean? It's just like boom, here I am. You know what I mean? It's just like I'm back, bitches. Like, boom, you know, I'm just, just fucking f- fucking shouting down your shouting down your mic uh, in your ears. You know what I mean? It's just it just hits. It, that's why that's why 2001 hits so hard. Um, because I just feel like he just got that battery pack, where it's just like, you, you know, you're cr- bro, Dre did this album called The Aftermath, when he started his own label, bro, this boo-boo, oh my gosh, bro, you know, don't listen to him, it's crap, bro, I mean, he must have, he must have heard all of that, um, so, you know, I can, I can, I feel like he wouldn't have done something on the level of 2001 if it wasn't for The Aftermath, so, uh, you know, you take the good with the bad, uh, and there you have a Dr. Dre career. Well said, I agree. Wonderful. Bars. Which I've been to a lighter note. And uh, Ben doesn't like uh, Spotify rap, guys. Jail him. Jail him. Throw rocks at him. Boo. Boo. How dare you. How dare you disrespect the 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 wonders of Spotify rap day. Which is it's so weird, right, how the whole day just literally goes by in 24 hours and it's never spoken of again until next year. It's, it's so weird. It's so weird. Um, I don't remember my. Well, I do remember my top top five. I think it was it was it was Lil Sims um, for obvious reasons, um, and then I got uh, Mary J Blige, LL Cool J, Big Sean, and then my boy Nappy High. Um, so this is kind of why I in in recent years um, I've stopped kind of caring about. Spotify wrapped um, because we because I do DITD and my listening habits are very um, to put shortly I kind of listen to everything once uh, especially when it comes to the new stuff and uh, I'm not a repeater guy you know the, the stuff the only stuff I repeat as it pertains to music is whatever's on my regular rotation and that's just like a re- a rotation of songs, like a ten hour playlist that you know I kind of just rotate. I take stuff out, I put new stuff in, um, you know, whether it's old stuff or you know brand new stuff. Um, rarely does um, you know stuff um, that have come out this year I put on that particular playlist. I'll probably add about like I don't know, give or take twenty five tracks a year on that front. So and that usually kind of makes up my songs of the year list. Um, so uh, in recent years, so that's kind of how I go about listening to music. Obviously, that with with the amount of stuff that we've lashed each other um, over the past like a uh, couple of days, um, Ben lashed me some guy that listened to like over three hundred thousand minutes, um, and it was all just like Tyler the Creator or something like that. And I was just like, okay, I was because I, I was joking because I because uh, Ben posted his and his is about three hundred thousand give or take, um, but. As Ben will obviously will most likely explain, he goes to sleep to a lot of music, so I'm not surprised, right, about that. Um, and that's kind of why it's kind of point, it's kind of pointless for someone like Ben, and also pointless for someone like for someone like me. But that's hit neither here nor there because I don't assume them to discriminate which ones podcast for the podcast and which ones you know for fun. Um, I'm not expecting them to do that, but it is what it is. That's why I can't. That's why I don't care about mine anymore. Cause you know the amount of people, bruv, even you, even you, asking me why is LL Cool J in your top five? Why do you think? Because he's <laughs> top five of all time. 
Shut up. <laughs> top five in the charts, top five in our hearts. Shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. Oh my gosh. As a minor tangent, I saw a video of Kamala Harris um, and him like con- uh, 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 having a conversation and she said, Mama said, knock you out. And he was like, there it is, there it is. I'm just like, oh, where have we gone to? Anyway, um, so, you know, for some people, it's kind of pointless. If you go to sleep to music, I don't feel like... I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't feel like I should be out to your rap. But there was that one guy that you sent that listened to over like 350k, and I'm 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 sorry. That's some streaming farm shit. I'm just saying. Confirmed. I, I said to Ben when he posted his jokingly streaming farm confirmed, but that shit is some streaming farm. I'm sorry. Like you can't you can't be a normal person sleeping to like no you can't. I'm sorry you can't. Yonkers. It's impossible. You're not you're not sleeping to Yonkers, bruv. You're not. I'm you're a not. fucking walking paradox. No, I'm not. I know. Three seasons with the fucking happening. triceratops. This guy's not happening, bro. So you're going to yeah. sleep to kill people, burn shit, fuck school. Like, <laughs> yeah, so aggro, bro. Like, I saw, I saw, oh, I saw one funny one. Honestly, I actually saw a really funny one uh, where I think like the top five, like paraphrasing, but it was something like of the of the you know, Lil Uzi, Triple X, uh, Juice World, um, you know, just stuff like that, right? Um, and uh, <laughs> the guy said, my orcs would be fire, and someone just quote tweeted, no, fuck it wouldn't, and I was just like, that's great, that's just gross. Cause that, that's just, that's just a, I'm sorry, that's a terrible orcs. That 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 that, that, oh, that the five he had was a terrible orcs. You hate. I'm sorry. It's not. It's not. It's not. It's not. You're not putting on Juice World with the squad. I'm sorry. You're not. It's not happening. There's there's moments depends for on it. the squad doing it. It's, I know. It depends on the squad, but most most squads it's not happening. So, I, I'm I'm objectively I don't think that's happening. But anyway. Oh, uh, I mean, look, man. I tweeted it. I posted this morning on um on Instagram. Uh, look, I think it's. <laughs> I was tweeting Charlie. I'm like, so like some hacker in Russia's got like all of my listening habits, but Spotify can't give me a top five albums. Like they can't give me a top twenty. Like come on now, this is ridiculous. Like I got Last FM. I know that Last FM. I mean, is... they'll do. They'll give you songs on a on a separate playlist. But yeah, I I just don't care about that even because again, I have my regular rotation. I kind of know what I'm listening to. So. That's a great kind of point. why I don't care. But. That's a great point. What's the point of giving me my top listen to songs this year in a playlist when they're probably already in a playlist? Like I've been yeah. listening to them, so I know them already. You know, it's like, but I've been obsessed with this tracking my music since I was very young. I think I got Last FM for the very first time in like '06. I think Last FM. I'm trying to think of when Last FM began. Um, if you don't know what Last FM is, it's basically I, yeah, I remember. I remember. I remember having it um, back in the day when it wasn't that. No, it wasn't cool. It, it It was kind of like a music curation thing at first. I swear. Oh, it definitely. Because I remember that was the first time. That was the first time I listened. I was like listening to West Coast music because I remember there was a time where. I threw on like a they yeah just like I typed up West Coast and they just gave me like a full on playlist of just like Ice Cube West Side Connections like yeah. I remember that's the first time I listened to like Bow Down or something like that it was yeah so no I was that's what it used to be the app it, was amazing actually play music yeah the app used to be amazing uh, in the early 2010s but back in 06 I mean that's how I discovered Buck 65 one of my favorite rappers of all time because uh, I was on Johnny Cash's page and. One of the similar artists was Buck 65. I'm like, 
wait what like a, a rapper who sounds like johnny cash and i discovered what? shit loads of music through last fm space Coast perp shabazz palaces cities of viv uh lil b um bro so much music i discovered through last fm like, i can't even i can't even count it and um I was obsessed, man. I was obsessed with using Last FM. Last FM, as I said, it, it tracks everything in real time, uh, and it gives you like updated charts that are updated instantly. So if you listen to the new Lana Del Rey album five times, it'll pop up in your chart immediately. Uh, look, my my top albums right now last week are Supreme Clientele, uh, Cartoons by Ben Beal, uh, Old Friends, New Friends by Niels Fram, um, Saw Rock album that I can't pronounce uh because i don't know <laughs> is it nebuchadnezzar yes that's it that's it um the idea of beautiful by rhapsody Shout to the matrix homies uh blue banisters by lana del rey and wreckage matter by styles p those are my and that's that will update if i listen to another album today it'll, it'll pop up on there and so i've been obsessed with this i i love this i love last fm i really do um i hate spotify's wrapped it's terrible it's genuinely terrible don't accept the 0.5% of what Spotify rap just gave you. Don't accept that. You don't have to accept that. I know that Apple Music gives you 0%, but you don't have to accept. Bro, they told me that my top listened to genre was under R. What the fuck is under R? I've never heard of that shit before. Man. That's not a genre. Never I've, heard of it. Never it's heard not it. something. It's nothing. Have you like, looked up? Say have you looked up? I have. It doesn't. It doesn't come back anything. It's like a <laughs> under art trap genre. queen. It's yeah, clearly trap a trap queen. I saw. I, I saw one trap queen was one. I was just like, wow, Fetty Wap got a whole genre, bruv. Pioneer. Uh, terrible, <laughs> terrible. Like it's really <laughs> genuinely bad. And that film one pissed me off. I told you about mine, but it pissed me off. Oh, what like, you're uh, so yeah. weird. Oh, the, what was the kiss mine? one, bro? What was I mine forgot. like? What your um, what your song? Hang on, I'm going trying to go back to it now. So it was like, fi- so it was quote unquote the final battle, the the kiss thing, and then like the the song that introduces your film. Now, to be fair, two of them were actually pretty good for me. So I had a uh, Big Sean's um, why would I stop? It's like the intro to my film, which I fuck with heavy. And then the final battle one was like uh, in the Tiny Tempers intro, which is Heat. And I can definitely Fire. see myself uh, doing a fight scene with that music on. Uh, but the fact that they put, out of all the tracks I listened to, out of all the Quiet Storm tracks I was listening to over the past like month or so while doing 5VPN radio and stuff like that, of all the love songs I could have, they could have popped on there, they decided to put on Do I Want to Know by fucking Arctic Monkeys. <coughs> mad. Who's kissing to that psychopathic track? It's literally a psychopathic track. And you're putting that, giving that to me. Bugging, bugging, absolutely bugging. They did it. Charlie put me onto this because I just I don't give a fuck about Spotify rap, so I skipped through all that <laughs> stupid <laughs> shit. <laughs> My opening credits theme is <laughs> Mono <laughs> No Aware One Point Three by William Basinski and Loris English, which is a, a hour long drone song that does not change. It's just drone ambient, like genuinely. It's just like for an hour. So that's the first, that's my opening credits allegedly. Um, mm-hmm. What's the next one like? What the uh, I don't know what the next one was. Something about um, the the big moment at the end of it or yeah. something. And it was like the most depressing song ever for me. I think it was a it was a Joy Division song, 
and it's meant to be this like a <laughs> really cool. uplifting incredible moment it's it's popping if spot this is the other thing about spotify rap this stupid story thing is so slow here it is the song playing as you score the game winning point at the buzzer passover by joy division no you know when i was listening to joy you know when i was bumping that album it was a it was a what? few months ago and i was uber depressed uber 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 <laughs> uber depressed because that album is dark it is some dark yeah. dingy yeah. like really yeah. and and i've been in some deep yeah. psychological states so i know the music you go to when you're in those states you're not sure you're not like hitting buzzer beaters to joy division <laughs> Oh my days! So oh like, look, I have a massive problem with it. I think there's many problems with it. Firstly, the 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 format is shit. It's terrible. It's so slow. You should just be able to click through. You shouldn't have to wait for the animations to like go through uh, 15 seconds for each thing. It's mm. it's nah, man. It's bullshit. It's stupid. Like if you want to go back, I don't mind the event back, nature of it. But, but if, if you I do it once, back, but do it once. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to do it. I don't want to go over it again just to find something. Like, just, just give it to me once, and that's it. Like, don't give it to me every single time I click on it. It's mad but, yeah. nasty, man. It's it's mad nasty. Uh, it's not accurate because, like, Under R is not a genre. And I assume it's accurate with regards to my top artists and top songs. But at the same time, people have no concept or idea of what the time period is. Some people are saying it's January 1 to October 31. Some people are saying it, it's January 1 to December 1. Some people are saying it's December 1 to December 1. Like, what the fuck? And if it is, like, January 1 to October 31, what the fuck are we doing? What are we doing? That's not a whole year. That's nowhere near a whole year. That's 10 months. Like, everyone be like, well, you know, your, your, your songs and albums won't change that much towards the end of the are you kidding me? So you're saying that I listened to 284,000 mu- minutes of music in 10 months and you're telling me that I'm the top 100% of Australia when I've already seen someone in Australia with 334,000 <laughs> minutes. So I'm not. Uh, so what are we doing? Uh, what? Like, tell me honestly, what is the point of Spotify Wrapped when it's not accurate, it's not transparent, it's nowhere near exhaustive, it's like ridiculously difficult to use, like you've got to wait fucking five minutes to get to your aura you've got to click through and then you've clicked too far and you've got to go back and you've got to wait and it is a useless it's it's a marketing exercise genuinely that's all it is and it's genius it is yeah. absolutely genius do not get me yeah. wrong i've been posting numbers from artists because it's going to get content it's going to get clicks and i understand that but just yeah. this is me just you know having a little bit of a rant it is useless. It is genuinely. It does not impact me in any way whatsoever. I do not care about it. I don't. I just don't see any value to it. Um, I don't have Spotify, so I can get Spotify wrapped. You know, like yeah. honestly, if you're thinking about porting over from Tidal or Apple Music or Google or whatever, so you can get your Spotify wrap and join in next year, don't do it. It's useless. Like you'll get one day of content out of it and that's it. It's pointless. You know, it's don't lose all your algorithms and playlists and everything on your other streaming platform just to buy into a marketing campaigns. Don't do that. Yeah. No, no, no. It's not. It's not. It's, no, it's never worth that. Um, but yeah, I sent, I sent Ben an article that was called like a Spotify app to free advertising that says nothing about the joy of music. And I feel like uh, I feel like kind of puts it pretty succinctly. Um, so yeah, well, with that said, we shall finish it there. 
Ladies and gentlemen, from the 5th in Podcast Network, it's been Digging Digits. Hope you enjoyed this episode. I have been Charlie Taylor of the 5th in. I've been Ben Carter of Hip Hop Numbers. You can't wait what we're going to get to next week, guys. Holy. I sent it to Charlie earlier. He said it's a bit too early for us to, like, we can't, it's too late. We have to do the podcast we already planned. We'll deal with this next week. It's too big of a story. Why are you wasting Boy, all of our time? Travis You're Scott all of our time. has taken. You're, you're, Utopia. We hope you all out have a of good his week. Instagram bio. We shall next week, try and do deep the dive. Tune in. But until the next time, which is not about next fucking week. Utopia, not be the Travis Scott's fucking bio. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> but until oh, the next time, take it easy, and don't and 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 just try and take a joke, guys. All right, just learn from me. Right, take it easy, ladies and gentlemen. Ah, peace. <laughs> Boof head. <laughs> <laughs>